Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures for Real. I'm your host for today, Lamar Newmeyer, and this is my co-host and regular host, Carrie Mulesteen. Good to be with you. <laughs> you too. Uh, we were just having a little laugh there before um, formatting and silliness. But anyway, I'm welcome back, and I'm hoping you're having a good time listening to the podcast and all the great uh, guests that um, that Carrie's had on that have, have made these scriptures come alive to me. I hope today's a, a same kind of experience, that we can make these scriptures real in our lives and that we can get, gain power out of them by applying them to us and and really getting a feel for the places and people that, uh, that this all happened to. Uh, today we're going to be in Acts 16 through 21, and uh, we're going to. This is Paul's ministry, and he's going to go on several missions. And so we're going to cover the second and third uh, of the missions that he goes on. And these are, he goes as far up to uh, through Turkey and up into Greece, and in that area, and then comes back down, and he's all up and down there. He's, Quite a lot of traveling, actually, for a guy who's doing this on foot and by ship, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of travel, but uh, he has, and it's it takes uh, there's a lot of years in here. Yeah, uh, there are. Like yeah, in he, some of them, he stays for a year and a half or three years. So, the, yeah, I mean, this is a sometimes you get one verse and it covers a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he's in Corinth at least a year and a half, and there's somewhere else where he says he's. he's there yeah, Ephesus. Years, yeah, yeah, for yeah. Good long time. So anyway, so let's let's jump into it. So and by the way, I wanted to point this out that these the thing I like about Paul um, is that you get a, an example of a real person here who. Well, I mean, we've got that the Gospels too. Peter, Peter is very uh, um, he's gung ho. I wouldn't say impetuous. Impetuous is not the word, but he's he's very he's excitable and he's you know whenever he sees the Lord, he's out on the water and he's wherever the Lord is, he's ready to do it. He, you threaten him, he's going to pull out a sword, you know. So I, I like the feel that you get for for the apostles there, and uh, when when Christ is around, and now we get Paul, and we just finished up um, Acts 15, and you talked about that, and they have a disagreement. The the apostles have a disagreement, and it's not just a little one; it's quite sharp. They they split up for a long time, not forever. They they will get together and they'll they'll rectify things. Yeah, Paul goes after Peter uh, as part of this. He's he's not happy yeah. with Peter as they get to that Great Jerusalem Council, right? And uh, and he splits with Barnabas because Barnabas says, "Hey, let's take Mark." Which everybody goes by at least two names. We got Simon yeah. Peter, and we got Mark, who's wrote the Gospel of Mark, who's actually known as John. Yeah, John, John, Mark. John Mark. Yeah, John Mark. So yeah, uh, and I Barnabas guess I mean we're like everyone is thinks that he's the author of the Gospels, Mark. I guess we're not 100% sure, but everyone 100%. thinks so. So I think so, too. So from here on out, we're just going to say it that way. We've done our caveat. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. And, and I do uh, think it's worth, uh, as we start, just making sure we, we remember uh, that ending, right? That after the, the Great Jerusalem Council, that Paul and Barnabas are going to go on a mission again. To, and, and they say at the end of verse 15, because this is what sets the stage for the journey that Paul's going to go on. I mean, at the end of chapter 15, verse 36, and some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. So the point is, let's go, we got all these new converts, but they're new converts. Let's go make sure they're doing all right, right? So this right. is a, a pretty tender idea, but that's when they get in this fight and and the, the word really indicates that they're they're going after each other. 
um, and uh, over whether or not John Mark should come with them. So you're right. There's another there's another uh, indication of Paul's uh, Paul doesn't pull punches uh, at all ever. And uh, so that's why he's with Silas on this mission instead of uh, um, Barnabas. Barnabas. Yeah. Right. And, and But the key takeaway, though, is that they do overcome that. that this is not the they have conflicts. They have disagreements. Um, it happens. But they do get over it and uh, and they continue on the work and, and the work is not hindered because of it. They they work their way around it. So that happens. Uh, you know, President um, Nelson just talked about in uh, in this last conference, his talk is called uh, Peacemakers Wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. Peacemakers Needed. Peacemakers Needed, I think it is. Anyway, in that one, he says that, and of course, they don't have sharp disagreements like it says in Acts, but he says sometimes that he and his his counselors and they're all great friends he says that sometimes they don't agree in things so they sit there and they talk it over what do we what do we think about this so these are people these are people um uh when we talk about them being saints these are not you know deified people they're regular people here on earth that are doing their best to make things work and sometimes they make mistakes and sometimes they have a conflict but the the thing is they keep trying and they keep getting up and going and doing the work and that's the important part uh, amen. <laughs> so let's get into uh, let's start off with uh, with uh, in Acts 16. Now, Paul has a lot of you know you hear about mission stories. Some people go to different countries and they have conflicts with uh, with culture and whatever. These are some really good mission stories, and they have a spiritual side, but there's also a couple of chuckles out of there too. But they have some really good things. Now, something that the early church is dealing with a lot, and, and the Jews in general is soothsayers they have problems with with people that are turning to um to different means to try to get prophecy rather than looking to the the prophets and writings and things like that they're they're doing a lot of things with soothsayers and and in uh chapter 16 there's a slave girl who is a soothsayer and apparently she's giving advice and some of these things are happening it seems to be that she is taken as somewhat of a uh, um, a prophetess of some sort, and yeah. Paul recognizes. And th- this has like been around throughout the entire Old Testament as well, right? right? Well, yeah. uh, this is sure. common throughout the ancient world, and and Israel is always having a problem with this. And so now that they try and spread the gospel elsewhere, they're going to find well, everyone's having a problem with this. Right. What does what does um who is chastised? Is it David who's chastised that uh, where the Old Testament scripture is to wizards that peep and mutter? Yeah. Um, so, well, uh, Saul goes there. I, that's ironic, isn't it? Because Saul's yeah. who we're Saul, dealing oh, with. Saul, yeah. 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 Uh, David, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, but it's something that Israel's chastised for a number of times. Right. So, anyway, that, that the soothsayer girl is, uh, is, is giving out, um, some, uh, some advice. And, uh, Paul says, that's an evil spirit. And come on out of girl. And it, comes right out yeah and it almost i love the way it says that to your point of uh uh paul uh you know kind of being i guess uh, a, a human kind of thing he's um it's like he's bugged with her bugging him so much he's like okay i've had enough of you bugging me so let's cast that evil spirit out right yeah. um so it's an interesting, and maybe we can uh, set the the scene that uh, I mean. So chapter sixteen, he's starting the that second journey 
they've gone back to Antioch in Syria, which is their kind of hometown or home base. Although he's going to set up some other home bases as he goes along, and and uh, Timotheus meets them, and they're going along crazy, uh, tracing through the same areas that they've been in before. Uh, as we said, he's and and this is the part of Paul that I I really like that he says, okay, I love these guys, and I taught them. It's my responsibility to go back and make sure they're doing all right. And so we see them going through the same places. I find it really interesting that he picks up Timothy who is uh, half Jew, half Greek, and he's going to tell Timothy, you need to get circumcised. And this is the chapter after he's been arguing, people don't need to be circumcised. Right. Um, and it seems to be because he's going to go and and teach in synagogues, and he doesn't want them thrown out of those synagogues because of this. So he's willing to do it just to be able to get in the door and talk kind of. I, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm guessing. He doesn't say why, but it's an interesting thing. Um, well, and, and, and we will see later in uh, in chapter uh, 21, he's still keeping the Jewish law. He still does the, the ritual purifications when he goes back to the temple. So Paul does keep himself, I don't know, for lack of a better word, he is he's keeping kosher himself, even though they're not under some of those same strictures, but he still does keep the law. Yeah, and it's uh, what I, it seems like, and I don't know that we can tell this for sure, but it seems like when he's in a Jewish area, he keeps Jewish practices. And when he's not, he doesn't um, kind of having figured out, I don't have to keep these, but there's nothing wrong with keeping them. So I'll just, when I'm in Rome, I'll do what they do in Rome. But when I'm in Jerusalem, I'll do what they do in Jerusalem. Right. So <laughs> uh, this seems anyway. Well, they uh, are in transition and we'll, we're going to find that same thing in our church uh, at the beginning of, uh, of these things. There's, there's some, it works kind of the other way. There are some, um, some customs and some, practices that carry on for a while and then we refine a few things oh the word yeah. of wisdom is, is, is a good example of that um yeah. the word of wisdom is not by commandment or constraint as it says at the beginning but as we decide for ourselves we want to be set apart this way and that way from the rest of the world we make these things more of a requirement than just a suggestion so i mean it works both ways sometimes when you're moving from one culture to another or moving from one period of uh, of the of the church existence to another you're going to have a, a few of these things that pop up yeah yeah okay so and i don't know that we need to trace uh all of his journey like uh in detail but maybe just here at the beginning because i want to try and uh make a point here so they, they go through these places that they've been before um like we talked about uh in in galatia and that's that's where they he went with barnabas uh, and they're strengthening everyone. And then they feel like they should go to a place called uh, Bithynia, but the Spirit tells them, don't go there. So they come to Troas, or, or Troy, and Paul has a vision, and he sees someone in Macedonia. So I don't think he was ever planning on going, you have to sail across and, and get into Macedonia. Uh, this would be getting over into the European continent, right? So I don't think that was his plan, but he has a vision of someone there saying, come, come and help us. And so Paul responds and he says, all right, let's go. And this kind of changes his his plan, it would seem, as to where to go. And it also puts him on this kind of major road that is the road to get to Rome. Uh, and so he's going to go on there for a while, but he won't stay on there because he gets kicked off, as it were. But um, uh, so they stop uh, at Samothracia on the way. That's a little stop and that you have it's kind of like a port stop. And then Neapolis and then they get to Philippi. And that's where our story is going to pick up. And he will 
after he spent some time with the the people in Philippi, he will later write them a letter and and so on. And that's part of the point I want to make is that um, one of the ways that we could have chosen uh, and uh, the people that, that write the curriculum have chosen to to go just in order of the books. But one of the ways that we could have chosen is to say, okay, we're going to read an Acts, and then we're going to stop and read a letter when it seems Paul wrote it. If we'd done that, then we would have been reading Galatians about now, maybe just before or in between last lesson in this one or something right. like that. Um, and uh, But the letters that we're going to read later, I think we'll have to each time come back and visit these parts of Acts to understand each letter. Um, and that's part of what I'd just like to encourage you is try and, and understand this story a little bit and understand the the nature of Paul going and teaching and then having to leave and then teaching and then having to leave. Uh, that sets up the need to write all these letters that we're going to spend so much time on for the rest of the year. It's it's because he is trying to keep confirming and strengthen and, and guide all of these different cities. So he's going to write back to the, the Philippians not that long after he's there. Um, and, and this story happens. And so it's nice for us to kind of recognize, okay, this is where Philippi is. It's in Macedonia. In fact, uh, uh, Alexander the Great is from uh, Macedon and mm -hmm. uh, his father is Philip. And so that's where this name comes from, right? Oh, and that's, right, right. Uh, that's why this is uh, an important city. And um, anyway, just kind of having all of that in our head is going to help us make more sense of those letters when we get there. So uh, we don't need to go into all the details of every city every time we, we come uh, across Paul traveling, but uh, I, I felt like as we start here, maybe we can make that point. So sorry to interrupt you, but no, 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 not at all. Not at all. That's a good, that's a good setup because he does get around quite a bit. So it's, it's, it's hard. You almost get whiplash figuring out he's going back and forth. It starts here, goes there, then he makes a left turn here and then, you know, makes a left turn in Albuquerque. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, I love uh, that's the bug Dan, bunny. Uh, yeah, the uh, Bugs Bunny says that all the time. Um, <laughs> and I guess we should also say that there are some maps in the back of our scriptures. If you actually yes. have physical scriptures, uh, if not, I guess you click somewhere to get to the map uh, that will trace through the journeys, and you'll probably find that helpful as we go along to yeah, refer to those maps. Kind of lead you around, and then again, yeah. one uh, tool that you pointed out um, that I used quite a bit is the BYU.edu scriptures uh yeah. map script yeah um, so scriptures.byu.edu slash map script not script with a t but just script, script. so scriptures.byu.edu slash map script yes that's great and that will point out the parts and or the, that'll put pins on the map and you can see where these things happen and in some case you can click on those and see some different things and so if you put if you do that in conjunction with the with the um, with the tracing around, you get a little better detail on what's happening in uh, in the scriptures here, and and the places that he goes, and in the, the directions in which you know it's kind of securitous the way he follows it around, and so yeah, yeah. Good oh, stuff. And, and one thing I forgot to mention that I think is worth mentioning is that their first stop after when they start, right? They leave Antioch. Their first stop is actually Tarsus, which is Paul's hometown. So I, right, I think Paul it's nice Tarsus. that Paul gets to go home and. And preach the gospel there and probably see some old friends and hopefully uh, teach them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he, he left a different person. Then he comes back. To them. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I imagine that's um, I imagine that's like uh, doing a mission in your own hometown. We had one elder on my uh, on my mission 
um, which was Washington, Seattle. And he was from Federal Way, which is in the mission. That's really uh, rare. Yeah, it and, is. And uh, it's really rare that to, to serve in that same one. He was in Federal Way and he served in there in his same hmm. uh, mission. And when he was done um, at the, the mission home, which is in Mercer Island, um, he rode his bike home. <laughs> his parents followed in the car and followed him home. That has yeah, nothing yeah. at all to do with acts, but it was just kind of funny no. to serve in your own yeah. country because you're not a prophet in your own country, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and you don't hear of that very often. So yeah. yeah, so it's it's pretty rare. But he did. You got to go to Tarsus and see that. So anyway, so are we landing? Where are we landing back then? Are we yeah. Landing back? Now we're back where uh, we've got uh, verse sixteen uh, there in Acts Philippi, 16, and verse they, sixteen. Yeah, yeah, uh, they come to the certain damsel. So yeah, that, I think that's where you were in the story, isn't it? Yeah. A certain damsel is possessed with a divina, uh, with a spirit of divination, met us. And this, oh, by the way, we should mention this. There's several parts in here that mm. are first-person narrative. The yeah. way they said they met us. So who's writing this? We we attribute it to Luke, probably. Yeah. And, but it's interesting because he's not mentioned all the time on there. So maybe someone's putting together bits and pieces of this uh, of the manuscript to to be one continuous narrative, but. In several parts, which is not, you don't find this everywhere else, but in several parts, it is written in first person. So it said, uh, this, this, this little damsel uh, with the spirit of division met us, which brought by, uh, which, uh, where'd I go? Which brought by her masters much gain in Basuse. So she's, they basically make money on her by her being uh, a soothsayer. Yeah. So she's and, a maybe, teller, and they're making money on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, and maybe I I had kind of forgotten to talk about that. I'm glad you brought it up, but it's it's worth uh, pointing out if you are in the verses just before this, um, you've got uh, in verse uh, say um, seven. After they were come to Mysia and they go to they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the spirit suffered them not, and this vision comes to Paul, uh, and after he had seen the vision. Immediately we endeavored in verse 10, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, uh, assuredly gathering. So you get that switch right there. And then it's going to mm -hmm. be a law, a quite a while where it's we, 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 and then it goes back to they, they, they. And, uh, as you said, this might be that, uh, so they're, they're pulling out things from, uh, an original source and just quoting it that way. But uh, a lot of people take this to mean Luke joined them for a yeah, while. And then, uh, then he, wasn't with them and later on he's back with them again and that kind of thing happens uh and so uh, a lot of people feel like this is a, a part of the journey that luke is on and he's eyewitness to these events right which may yeah. be why we get a little more detail but yeah and that's interesting so we're, we're seeing a little bit how the scriptures came together from journals and this by the way i used to say this all the time in my classes that um keep a journal because the scriptures are really just journals. They are journals of other people that have been been uh, brought together. And uh, But your journal is going to be your scriptures in, in some ways, because you're going to record, like President Eyring has made, a, made a, a, a thing about this, saying that he made a point to write down how the hand of God changed his life. And he was yeah. inspired to do that. So I re highly recommend keeping a journal and writing down things, because that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing a journal. Amen. And uh, if someone hadn't written it down, we wouldn't have it written like this. And so we get some good insight and we also find some, uh, some spiritual things and some some funny things, some clever things, some human moments in here. That's, that's yeah. kind of fun. 
Um, so anyway, uh, the same, the same, they're talking about this damsel, the same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are servants of the most high God. Now that is funny. The soothsayer is saying, these are the servants of the most high God, which shew unto us the way of salvation. So they're, this, this fortune teller is saying, these are servants of the most high God. They're introducing her. Yeah. Following him around. And she did say, and she did this many days, uh, and this she did many days. So not just a little bit, but she's many days. They're following around and like, these are servants. So I, I don't know if that's, um, I don't know what the reason of that is, but Paul here says, but Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. So he recognizes she has a spirit and for why she's announcing them. I don't know. Maybe, it, maybe it's a mocking, maybe it's a hindrance. Maybe it's, I don't know why, but for some reason, yeah. Paul just gets tired. He's like, that's it. Spirit, get out of her. <laughs> I can't take this anymore. You're giving me a migraine. And the and the spirit comes right out of her. And this is the, we're saying this. So this kind of seems like just a, a a silly little instance that happens. But this sets up why they get in trouble. Yeah. When the masters find out about this, their hope of their gains were gone. So they lost this profitable. The spirit came out, and suddenly she doesn't prophesy anymore. And they're like, ah, there's our. We had a a good gig going with this girl, and now yeah. we can't. She can't tell. We can't get money for her telling fortunes anymore. And yeah, you so, took away our cash cow. What are you yeah, doing? What are you doing? And then, so they they grab uh, Paul and Silas and uh, took him to the marketplace under the rulers, and they said, "Hey, these men um, do trouble our city. They're 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 bringing us problems." And so the magistrates just chuck him right into jail. Well, they beat him, yeah. and they chuck him right into prison. They beat him and they put him in stocks in this prison. Yeah, and Timothy and child. Luke seem to be gone. They they somehow didn't get uh, thrown into jail here, and maybe they skipped town, and maybe that's why for a while we don't have the we anymore after this or something. But it's just Paul and Silas. They're they're the chief guys in this, and so they're the ones that get, uh, as you said, beaten and thrown in jail. They went on splits, and the one companionship got caught, and yeah, and uh, and they got beat, and so they get thrown in jail. So this is one of the 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 times that we see Paul thrown in jail. And how he changes it to his good. So here they are in jail. They're in these stocks. And what do they do, Paul? <laughs> what do they do? <laughs> what does Paul do, uh, Gary? Yeah, well, uh, he he pretends like he's Paul Simon. <laughs> and he uh, he starts, uh, they're seeing it. I, I, I have to, you have to kind of wonder, so what are the other prisoners thinking? Like, what? shut up, guys. I'm trying to sleep here. What are you, what are you doing? Just singing. But they're singing praises to God uh, while... They're in jail and in stocks, and after they've been beaten with a lot of stripes, many stripes, right? So, well, you know, I've heard many times people say things like, uh, you know, if you a uh, one way to bolster your 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 courage is to sing a hymn. And what did mm -hmm. the pioneers do when they crossed the plains? They sang hymns while they were walking, yeah, and they would sing hymns at night. And uh, in Doctrine and Covenants section twenty five, is um the Lord is uh, giving a revelation to Emma Smith to collect the hymns of the church. And she's, and he says, uh, the song of the righteous is a prayer unto me. So uh, hymns are part of prayer and that's why we have them in the church. They're part of prayer. They're part of the faith building. Um, part of the things we do to build faith in ourselves. We sing these hymns and probably, and you tell me what you think since you're the scholar here of the old Testament, uh, likely they were probably singing some of the psalms wouldn't you think yeah almost for sure i don't know what else they would be singing yeah and i think it's also interesting that they're singing praises 
most people may not think to praise God when they were just cast into prison because they were doing God's work. Um, but this idea of being grateful for God, acknowledging God, even when it doesn't seem like it's working out the way you thought it would work out, they still trust that, okay, God's in charge. Somehow this is working the way God wants it to. So we'll just praise God and this is going to work out. Well, right. And same thing happened with Joseph Smith when they were in prison. Joseph Smith and his companions, they sang a poor wayfaring man of grief. And, and probably others. When they were in Liberty Jail, they probably sang mm. many other things too. So um, good thing to keep in mind that, uh, hey, turn to the hymns, sing the hymns. Um, that's one thing you can do to, to focus your mind. And and um, the song of the right should be answered by a, a prayer, uh, answered by a blessing on their head, says Dr. Covenant, section 25. So, um I think that's uh, that's interesting. They, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So you're right. So they sing, uh, e either sing so well or so poorly. I think they sang well. So <laughs> there was a great earthquake, so the foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. So here's... Yeah, that's just the right kind of earthquake, isn't it? Yeah. Boy, that's a, <laughs> that's a, a very targeted earthquake. Yeah, it opens the doors and and looses all their their chains and uh, and their stocks, and they're released. And the keeper of the prison, uh, waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors were open, drew out his sword and would have would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. And of course, he's responsible. So if they flee, it's on his watch. He might as well just kill himself because they'll they'll put him to death anyway. But Paul cried. Yeah, but they'll they'll saying, do it more painfully. Yeah, right, yeah. right. So they might as well just end it now. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And so I just think this, and then called for a light and sprang in. I like the, the, the terminology. He called for yeah. a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. So he recognizes these, these uh, men have some power. Yeah. And yeah. And he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they tell him to believe in Christ, and he's baptized that night. So that's a pretty good. You go from being in prison, the baptizing the jailer, and his whole family. Yeah. So that's a that's a, a good missionary story. Hey, we were thrown in prison, but instead we converted them and also you know freed ourselves, so forth. And so it's clear that God was in charge, and uh, their their trust in Him and their praising in Him uh, was well rewarded. It doesn't yeah. always work out this handily, but it no. worked out handily this time. Yeah, that's good. Oh, so anyway, I think it's a... And, and I love also that he washes their stripes. Like, he's going to take care of them, right? They, they, Okay, you've been beaten, and then you were just tossed in a filthy place without ever having your wounds cared for. Let's let's take care of you. And he feeds them and, and so on. Uh, to his house, yeah. Yeah. Now, he, here's a little bit of flavor of Paul, though, which I do think is interesting. Why yeah. This is in here. I'm not sure, but I like this. It says, uh, so then when it was day, the magistrate sent sergeants saying... Let these men go. So apparently they found there was no cause to keep these people. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, and the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them. Yeah, and you'd yeah. think that they would just say, okay, that worked yeah, out really well. We got this uh, convert, and now we can go. This is just perfect. But that's not Paul, is it? No, no. Uh, then Paul says, they have beat us openly, uncondemned. So they, you didn't give us a trial or anything. And we are Roman citizens, and you beat us and threw us into prison without a trial. And uh, and they are worried about that. Yeah. Well, and I, I love how he ends that. 
Now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. He's like, you come and get me, right? You, you <laughs> blew it. I want you to come and beg me, basically. You come and get me and, and tell me, whoops, I messed up, right? Don't tell me to my face. That's right. Because <laughs> the deal is, if they're not Roman citizens, then this is kind of normal treatment to, uh, you don't have to have a trial or anything. You can beat them, put them in jail, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're not citizens. But you should at least find out whether they're citizens or not. Because if you do this to a citizen, you can be uh, killed right. or put in jail or anything, right? And right. and so they've they've blown this big time. And Paul wants them to know it. And and so it's just kind of some funny irony. And Paul's just a little belligerent with this, like, yeah, come get me. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. That's a it's a little bit of flavor of Paul how he's how he does that. Um, and they came and besought him, and they brought him out and desired him to go depart out of the city. So it doesn't say what they say to him or what they do, but they. They say, okay, yeah, we're going to go, but first, we're going to stop by Lydia's house. Yeah. You know, we have a mission to do. You can't tell us what to do. We're going to go. We'll go. I'm going to go when I want to go, but I'm going to stop by Lydia's house first. Yeah. And then. And she seems to them. be kind of the mainstay of the saints in this city. So, the, the, and the one that's taking care of them. And so, this is one of those times where we see the importance of uh, women in this this story and uh, the way Paul interacts with women, and uh, at least here. And it's it's a pretty good thing. And, you also have to wonder if this isn't, I, I mean, I try and put myself in Paul's place and say, okay, why did he do this? I mean, maybe it's just because he's a little bit uh, belligerent or whatever. Uh, but you'd think that at some point he would have, you know, they're beating him and he would have said, I'm a Roman citizen. Um, I don't know why he doesn't do that. Maybe the spirit constrains him not to or something. So I have to guess, but I don't know. But I have to guess he's thinking, well, I'm going to make a point of this. And maybe this saves us some trouble. Maybe word gets out and it yeah. saves us some trouble elsewhere. Uh, that's that's my best guess, but I really don't know. And and he's flexing a little bit when he's going to Lydia first. Like, all right, you asked me to leave, but I'm going to go do this first. And I don't think you can say anything about it because if I want to raise a fuss about you, I can. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm he, going. And he, maybe he's given a little bit of cover to the church as well. It's like, hey, you know, we belong here. We're citizens. And, and you know, you've been treated for this. So I want you, I'm going to leave, but you better treat everybody else in here right. Because yeah. uh, we know what's going on here. So, and, he, and Lydia's clearly the release site present or something. So he yeah. goes to her house and and uh, um, comforts them, and then they depart. So, so and he's probably, anyway. I mean, most likely, if they're going to leave, he feels like he needs to say, "Okay, here's how you're going to have to run the church here when we're we're gone. We're we're not going to be here to to make things happen. So let's spend at least a few minutes making sure that you guys all understand. Here's what you do when Silas and I aren't here." And oh, yeah. uh, uh, that's that's an important thing. I, I would guess that's the major thing that he does there. Yeah, they're going to have a council and talk about that. Well, that is kind of what Paul does, right? So mm -hmm. all the letters are reinforced, like, you know, I left you last. We talked about this, but, you know, beware of these things. And so, yeah, he's constantly uh, setting up um, uh, administrations and helping them to, you know, bolster the church in that area. And it says... Uh, elsewhere, I'm trying to remember which uh, which uh, chapter it says that. I think it's actually in the beginning of 16. Um, the church grows daily. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of things happening. So they are constantly trying to keep up with the administration of the church. And uh, so yeah, it's it's probably probably clear that he's helping them set up what to do and how to do it and best practices and all those things. Yeah. So that's chapter 16. 
Um, anything else you what, do, what else you want to cover in this? We're doing 16 through 21. So what else yeah. do you, you want? To we do? can't go into detail and in, in everything, but maybe let's right. stick with this story just a, a little bit more, just because uh, uh, they're they're going to come next to Thessalonica. So they actually kind of well, they go to Berea, and then no Thessalonica and then Berea. So they're they're going to curve uh, around, uh, kind of staying on the southern coast of Macedonia. Rather than uh, my guess was he was going to stay on this major road heading out to Rome and hitting the cities on this major road. But once they're cast into jail, he comes to south a little bit. I don't know. In any case, um, they're they're going to end up coming to Thessalonica and they preach in the synagogue. And that's something that I meant to talk about earlier. And I haven't. Um, this is Paul's habit. Uh, it, the gospel, he's going to take the gospel to the Jews first every time. If there's a Jewish uh, synagogue, he's going to go there. If not, if there's any kind of a place that Jews meet, he goes there and he preaches them, gives them a chance. Usually he gets some people to believe, but mostly they reject him. And then he preaches to the Gentiles and he's going to preach to the synagogues here in the synagogue here. And he has a lot of, of success, both with um, the the Jews, and it says in verse 4, and of the devout Greeks. So that, that means Greeks who already believed in, in uh, Judaism, but mm -hmm. of course they're still Greeks, they're not Jews, because uh, they haven't, the Jews haven't agreed to the Jerusalem Council, right? They haven't said, okay, yeah, everyone can be a Jew. So, right. uh, like uh, they said, everyone can be a Christian. So um, they get a, a great multitude, uh, and I love the end of this line, and of the chief women, not a few. Right. So, again, we have this this notion that that some of the key people here are women that are going to have influence that keeps the church going there. But it's because of uh, Jews which don't believe. So he, he convinces some Jews and others he doesn't. And they're like, well, he shouldn't be taking away Jews and he shouldn't be making this movement. He's he's becoming more popular than our rabbi or something like that. Right. 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 So uh, they set the they, they get everyone upset at them. And they assault the house. This is probably the house they're staying in or or one of the more prominent guys that uh, it, it believes in them. They assault the house of Jason. And he's the one that gets uh, in trouble and uh, taken to the rulers of the city and so on. Um, and they accuse him. It's interesting uh, that Jason is going to be accused of the same thing that Christ was. So verse seven, when Jason, whom Jason has received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, one Jesus. Right. So that's the thing is uh, uh, for the Jews, they don't want to they, they believe in a Messiah, but they don't want to accept Christ as the Messiah. There are some who do, but most don't want to. Uh, but when they want to cause trouble in the among Romans, they say, well, these guys believe in a Messiah and you should know that to them, the Messiah is going to be king. And so when they preach Jesus, they're preaching a king. And that's going to that's a problem. Right. And that Rome's always going to not like that. Uh, so they're smart when they bring that up. Uh, but I, I think it's really interesting that it's the they just keep going to that same go to thing like, OK, this is where we can get these guys if we talk about this kingship issue. Well, that's the biggest thing in Rome is sedition against Rome or anything that, that challenges the power is the worst thing you can do in the Roman provinces. If, you, if you're going to challenge anything, you can challenge other things, but if you're going to challenge uh, Rome and the power of Rome. They're going to they're going to meet that out um, pretty quickly. So, yeah, Jason gets swept up in this. They, they were at Jason's house and he gets swept up in it. And, and uh, they say, oh, this man is giving them aid and comfort. Um, so he's invited yeah. them in their house. And so. Jason uh, has to to appear and he has to 
uh, and when they had taken security of Jason, so he has to post a bond. Yeah. <laughs> to get out of uh, to get out of hot water, at least at least uh, agree to appear. However, the bonds work then. Yeah, or is it that that he'll they take the bond and tell and say you've got to send these guys away and you can get the money back when they go away or something? I we don't know, yeah. but something yeah. like that's going on. He's got security means some valuable something was taken out at some point. Yeah, so, yeah, I like the bond, bond and, uh, yeah. phrase. Yeah, yeah, get out of bond. So, um, yeah, that's interesting that they they do that, and I like what you said there because you'll notice he does first go. Paul goes to the synagogues first, and he keeps doing that over and over, and until. It doesn't work, and then he goes to the Gentiles. And I want to point out something here that's kind of the, the that's kind of the, the theme throughout, or I don't say it's it's a theme, but it's it's um it's something that we see, um, that the Lord works with people on their time frames and and, and on their level, uh you know like why doesn't the why did the church come and do this and and do that and and everything would have been done in perfect order. Well, they went by was it Mycenae where they're told not to go. Says I see you. They're told uh, to go, but why are they not told? Why can't they go to that one? And the Lord says, "There, you know, hey, those those people aren't ready yet." So the, the oh yeah, so Lord, Bithynia. The, you mean Bithynia, where the Lord tells Bithynia. them not to go? Yeah, sorry. Right. Yeah, He tells them to, not to go to Bithynia, and so and then He's going to go here, but then they get. So why not to Bithynia? What, what's wrong with Bithynia? Well, we don't know for sure. No. But the Lord has some time frames, and you know why? Why did uh, Jesus only preach to the Jews? Well, that was His mission first. Wasn't he was leaving the Gentiles out, but that's the, that's the next phase. The next phase is Peter and the Gentiles and so forth. So, I think we get impatient that that um, early leaders or or uh, you know early leaders in our church get chastised. Well, why didn't they just do this? Why didn't they just do that in the first place? Why didn't they say, well, we don't know all the things and we don't know why yeah. the it was is. So, all what we do know is the Lord works with people in their time frame. And give people a little bit of a break. Let them let things unfold. It doesn't happen all perfectly and exactly the way we think we should. And sometimes it we go a securitist route, like Paul does, and he doesn't go straight after everything. Same thing happens with the Book of Mormon. They some people reject it, some people don't. But let's give people a break, and they're doing their best, and we just keep preaching. You know, some people aren't ready yet. Let's uh, put them in timeout, and we'll be back later. That's right. That's right. Anyway, okay. So, and I, uh, I don't want to beat this point to death, but uh, it's a, maybe I can't promise it'll be the last time I bring it up, <laughs> but, but maybe it'll be the last time. Uh, understanding this story and and knowing, okay, they were they were kicked out of here earlier than they intended, and they had people there that they loved and that they were working with, and they wanted to to make things work well for them, and and they have to leave pretty early. Will help us understand some of the things that Paul says when he writes the Thessalonians uh, and talks about his, his tenderness and his love towards them and that kind of a thing. We'll just understand it better if we remember this story. And so I think that's uh, that's worth keeping in mind. But anyway, they have to to go uh, to Berea after this. Good. All right. So excellent. Uh, so they go to Berea, and Berea um, is interesting. Um, the, there were more noble. That's how it phrases it. Uh, yeah. In Acts 17, 10, was it 10? 11. 11. Okay. And there, and there were more noble than those in Thessalonica. So uh, yeah, at least noble. the Jews in the synagogue, right? So, yeah. yeah. I, the, at least they're more, they're more hospitable at least to them. They're not as barbaric to them anyway. Yeah. In Berea. And they're, they at least search them. And they are, and this is interesting here. And yeah. they search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So they're actually looking up some things. They're like, okay, yeah. all right, I'm, you know, I see where you're going here, and this is 
All right. They're honest investigators. Like they say, okay, is this true? Well, let's, let's study and and work and try and find out. And that's all you can, if everyone would do that, we'd be in a much better place. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so they, they teach them for a while. um, And they stay, let's see, does it say how long they stay? I don't think it says in this one. Well, Paul is not here very long at all because the, the Jews of Thessalonica, the ones who got stirred up trouble and cast, got him kicked out of there. They come to Berea and they start causing uh, trouble oh, yeah, the there. And mm-hmm. immediately the brethren sent Paul away. Uh, but Silas and Timothy stay. So, again, you kind of get this in like, OK, well, we know who they really hate and we know who's <laughs> always, you know, so if we can get Paul to go, then maybe the others can stay and keep working more quietly and, and build yeah, things up. Paul radar. can't do that. Yeah. Paul, Paul if he's going to be there, he's going to be loud. But um, takes off uh, the decoy, heads off the other way. So yeah, so in. he's he's going to go to Athens, and the others are going to stay. And we don't know how long, but they they get things going uh, well in um, in uh, Berea uh, and stay for a while. Meanwhile, Paul will go to Athens, where he'll he'll get himself into some trouble there. So, <laughs> all right, so let's go over to Athens. It's all in the same the same thing. So th- there are many people, like you mentioned before, like not a few. So quite a few people are converted over there in Berea, and that's good. So Paul is going to wait for them, but he goes over to, to Athens to wait. He goes over the coast and then to Athens, and the Spirit is stirred up in the city. And then he has a different experience there. So first he has people that are just not having it at all. They are not, they don't like it. They don't like the, him tr- stirring up things. The next set of people, they, they're they like, well, I'll listen to you. Some believe, some don't. But Thessalonians are like, oh, these guys are bad. And then they go over to Paul. And now Paul, he has a, whole, he has a, a very, um, uh, what do I want to say, a, a Greek experience there. Yeah. Um, so they're uh, they're they fancy themselves philosophers, right? So they're in the great you know area where Socrates and all those people. And so certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him, and some said, "What will this babbler say?" So they're like, "What is this?" Yeah. I, I, I picture like He's some talking nonsense. Stoics, <laughs> what does this babbler say? Bring him over here. I'll talk to him for a minute. Yeah. What's going on? So they have these babblers come in, or he, he brings in Paul and, <laughs> and talks to them for a while. And so they they have some um, they have some uh, logics and and things, and they're talking about these uh, this this. Uh... Oh, but, you, but I wanted you to talk a little about this. So I, I make it sound like it's just just some guys that want to talk, and like you're talking about strange gods, and where are you getting these ideas? And tell us, young man, what's going on here? But it's not it's not without peril because there are some things that. Uh, that could get Paul in some real hot water. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. So I think you're right that there are a bunch who are just curious about this. And they're like, wow, what a weird thing to be creating this other God or whatever. But there are some of them who apparently, and we have to read between the lines and just know a little bit of the, the, uh, I guess, culture and and history here to, to get this. There are some who really don't like this. And the only way you can tell this is, you know, so I think some are, when it says, what will this babbler say? Uh, those are the ones who are like, wow, that guy's just weird, but it's kind of fun to listen to him. Um, but others, the ones who are saying, look, he sets forth a strange God because he is preaching Jesus and the resurrection as a God, right? Um, they, When it says they took him, so took doesn't mean like, hey, why don't you come? We got a really cool place for you to. It's not, it's not to, an invite. It's not yeah. invite. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, he's forced and they brought him unto Areopagus, all right? Now we we think, what is that a guy? Is that a place? It's a court. So what happens is in in this area each year they they elect some officials and there's supposed to be nine of them 
and uh, they serve for a period of time. And when they're done being the rulers, they automatically go to this Areopagus and, and they become the judges. And this is where they bring trials. So if they took him and brought him, this is like saying they took him and brought him to the, uh, you know, whatever the, the uh, I can't, Maricopa County Court, right? Okay, right. well, if you were brought to the Maricopa County Court, uh, that that means you're being charged with something. And there's some potential trouble here. So when yeah. Paul is, is making his arguments here, he will make it in a Greek style. And he's he's not he's still bold, um, but he, he's trying to convince them, but also trying to convince them in a way that they will at least say, OK, he's doing saying something reasonable here. He's not totally on Greek. He's not totally trying to, to throw everything we believe uh, in the garbage uh, so that he isn't going to be arrested and have whatever happened to him. Right. He's this is both a sermon and his plea for himself in court. Right. And we should have pointed out here at the beginning that Athens, um, it says in verse 16 that um, he saw the city wholly given to idolatry so that it's full of idols. And I heard the, I heard um, one person say that when they did some excavations, it was something like 30,000 idols found. There. Just, mm. I mean, it's they uh, and, and that's going to set up the next one where the craftsmen come after. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, yeah, so this is a, this is a group that are really challenging they're they're wholly given that they, they really believe in these idols and, and these idolatrous gods and so it's not just little trinkets that they have they really believe in these ones you're challenging our pantheon you know quite literally you're challenging our pantheon and who's this strange god and where do you get this from and and you know he has to he has to make an accounting for this and in verse 22 it says then paul stood in the midst of mars hill and he said you men of athens i perceive uh in all things ye are too superstitious yeah. So, I mean, he's not just trying to be a people pleaser, but two superstitions. If you look at the, the, uh, you look at the, um, at the, the, the footnote there, he says, you are most religious. So he's saying, I perceive that you're very religious people. I like that in this one here, uh, in, I, I've read it differently in the past, but I've, I wanted, I've, I'm looking at things with a little more mercy now as I get older. And I think maybe, you know, maybe he's going to lay down the smackdown, but I think in this one, I think maybe it throws a little bit of an olive branch here at the same time. And maybe yeah. I'm wrong, Carrie. You can tell me. If no, I'm I wrong. think you're right. And I think that's part of his, you know, he's, he's on trial. So yeah, he's on trial. Yeah. So, so um, he does call him foolish in, in some places. He says in, in verse, you know, he says, oh, well, let, let's, let's talk about this, which I think is a fascinating story. For as I passed by, I beheld your devotions and I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God for whom you have ignorantly worshiped. I declare him unto you. So, why does he bring up the unknown God, and what do we know about the unknown God? What do we, what do we know about this? Well, we don't we don't know a lot other than it, it just seems to be because they believe in so many gods, and they want to not make any of them mad. There's a fear that okay, we're giving uh, offerings to all these gods, but maybe there's a God that's right there in the midst who isn't getting an offering, and he's going to be upset and and jealous and come and smack us down because we didn't give anything to him. To so just to cover our bases. We'll give one to the unknown God, and hopefully that covers all and whatever unknown gods are out there. They can all think it's them, right? But uh, that's the idea. This is we're, we're covering our bases. We don't want any gods to be mad at us. Good. Yeah, I think that's that's. Uh, so I think he's pretty smart. He says, "I see the unknown God, and and uh, and you do ignorantly worship, him, and I declare him unto you." Yeah. So he uses their own language to start in. Now he could have said other ways. He could have said. Listen, all you people are stupid. All your idols are dumb. 
chuck them all out. I'm going to show you the only one God. Um, you could do that. But instead, he approaches it a different way. And, and remember what he was accused of. He was accused of setting forth a strange God. Right. So so he is both building on common ground, as it were, right? But also letting them know, okay, but you're not opposed to me preaching yeah. a new God because you believe there is one out there. Yeah. And by the way, so this is not illegal. I'm not breaking the law, just so you know. Yeah. But let's, I'm going to declare this unknown God for you. And again, he's not equivocating. He's not bowing down to that. But he's being kind of clever in the way he says this. And he knows that that this is the, the true God they worship, and these, these other idols are not true gods. But he's going to use their terminology to at least open the door and also keep himself safe from, from you know, if he's right here in front of the, the council. right? So he's going to keep himself safe, but at the same time, he's going to open the door to like, hey, you guys, it's, there's room for it in your, in your belief. So just give me, let me in here. Let me, let me tell you about what's happening. And then he... Uh, talks about uh, about God and about you know uh, about how He dwells on Earth and and, um, and He creates and, everything and yeah 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 exactly in twenty six and hath made one blood of all nations of all men to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. So he's like he basically says he created all things. That's what he's saying. So he's really created yeah. all things and set these things before before everything was here. He set the, these bounds. And they should seek the Lord. And by the way, I like this because this is answering the the, the three things we are, you know, why are we here? Or where do we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? He really breaks it out in verse 27. That's what he says. He says, um, after 26, he said, uh, okay, I'll read that again. And he hath made of one blood of all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he had not been far from any one of us. So that's a lot of crazy language, but what he's saying is the reason you're here and the reason why he did all this, the reason he set this up is so that you could find him. That's why you're here, is to seek God. Out of all this stuff going on is to find God in there. That's why we're here. And that really is to get on the path, to get on the covenant path, and follow that uh, toward exaltation. That's why we're here. That's kind of a very small snippet, but that's what he's saying. Am yeah. I wrong on that? No, no, absolutely right. And I and I love uh, something I've heard you, you say earlier before is uh, I think you compared him kind of to the the sons of Mosiah, right? Who yes, they hear like uh, uh, what were you saying about uh, the great spirit, right? Well, yeah, he, this is Ammon when he says to, to Lamoni there. Um, yeah, when he says, uh, he's like, how do you do these things? You know, he, this is after he defends the flocks and, 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 uh, slays all the people that are trying to scatter the flocks. And he goes in before him and he says, uh, how do you do this? I mean, after staring at him for an hour, how do you yeah. do this stuff? And he says, uh, well, it's God's power. And he goes, I don't know about this guy. Well, have you heard of a great spirit? Well, my father, my fathers have talked about a great spirit. Okay. That's what we're talking about. That's the great spirit. So, yeah. and he, I'm going to tell you what the great spirit is about. So same kind of, same sort of story that you see in the book of Mormon, right? He's going to use their language. He knows, he knows of a great spirit and this is God. And so he uses that, uh, to, to introduce Lamoni to that. And then of course we know what happens there. You know, Lamoni becomes a convert and converts a lot of other people and they have a, a good experience after that, but he uses the knowledge that they have. I've heard of yeah. a great spirit. Okay. Great spirit. That's God. And, and so, 
Yeah, and he, and he takes them where they're at and then moves forward from there, right? Which right. I would guess God is doing with each one of us right now. Like there are a whole bunch of things that if we could see things from God's point of view, we'd say, yeah, that's really stupid you think that. But uh, let me just take you where you are. So he's, we each have to figure out, you know, where, where, what's he doing with you, Lamar? What's he doing with me, Carrie? What's he doing with whoever is listening uh, to us, Lisa or anyone else? Uh, what is he, what are you believing that he says, okay, well, not quite right, but let me take you where you are and I'll try and get you to a higher place. And, and I love one of the ways he does that. Again, we're after this, we're really going to have to, so, all right, we're going to kick into high gear after this. But <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. But uh, I love how, again, he's taking their own ideas and he's going to go with it from there. So uh, after the, the verse you read in 27, look at 28. Uh, well, you were also reading part of 28, like in him, we live and move and have our being. Then look at what he does as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So you've got Jewish teachings that say, okay, we're his offspring. And if we're in a synagogue, he would quote that, but he's on, he's in Athens, right? So what does he do? Well, your poets have said, you're the offspring of God. And then verse 29, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. So you, you see what he's doing? He's saying, look, yeah. you yourselves know that we're the children of God, but you also know you're not the children of a piece of metal. That's uh, right. And, and so, yeah. So let's think of this differently. And I'm going to help you think of it differently. So he, he takes them where they are uh, using their own ideas, and uh, but it's also ideas he's seen in Scripture. So he knows how to use it and and try to move somewhere else. And that's what he's uh, going to do for them, but you know, when they hear about resurrection, they're like, "Okay, that's just uh, foolishness." So right. never mind. Yeah. But he's at least uh, convinced them enough that uh, he passes his trial, as it were, and and he can go somewhere else. Uh, and before we leave this one section, I, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, I had a uh, my mission president in the MTC was uh, George Durant, President Durant, and he was oh, yeah. really awesome. And I remember him giving just before we headed out in the mission field. We had one more um, night fireside meeting with him, and he said, you know, when you go out there, don't look at uh, – missionaries always use the the, the uh, slang of bashing. Like, you know, when you're, you know, with someone else, you're bashing scriptures and you're no. – you know, He goes, let's, let's not bash people over the head. It's, this is not a the, – the gospel is not a club. It's a loaf of bread. Offer them to have some, and don't try to beat them up. Mm-hmm. And I think, Adam, that's what we see with Paul here. Uh, he's not bashing over the head with it. He's like, hey, you guys know this. Yeah, and he invites them in. He invites them to hear more about that. And some of them still do like him. They they like him. Now, some people, they can't stomach the resurrection and they have they fall apart again. But some people are converted. There are some people that still say, I'd like to hear more about this later on. Don't uh, come by my house again. We'll see you later. You know, yeah, so yeah. you never know. So, uh, the, but the start of it, 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 this, he first of all gets himself out of hot water but also gains a few people that are willing to listen. Now it doesn't get everybody, but, uh, but again, he's a, he's a clever missionary and um, he keeps himself out of hot water and, and also um, helps some people see that. So he's spreading the seeds there. Okay. So yeah. that's the end of, uh, of chapter 17. We got a bunch of chapters to go. What's some yeah, highlights? We will have to go quickly. Um, <laughs> all right, let's, let's hit some highlights. So he's going to leave Athens and, and head to Corinth. And this is also important because we're going to spend a lot of time reading letters uh, to the Corinthians, right? So this is when he first comes to preach, and and he joins. Um, uh, he's he's uh, 
going to end up rejoining as mission companions there, and they're going to make some other friends as well. Um, uh, so he, he goes to Corinth, and he spends a lot of time there. Uh, he takes up tent making again with some people that are tent makers, and that's what he was. So he uh, stays there, and he he teaches in the synagogue, and that's where Silas and, and Timothy, when they're finally done. So that tells you how long they are up in Berea, um, or maybe a couple other areas around there, but um, in Macedonia, because they uh, he's done his time in, in Athens, and he comes and he starts to spend quite a bit of time in Corinth, and finally, uh, Silas and Timothy come and and join him. Um, yeah, there's so many things we could spend time on, but we'll we'll keep hitting the the highlights. So uh, well, he's there at least a year and six months. He's a year and a half there that he, sp- yeah. he spends in the area. Um, and that's not that's only in verse 11. And other things happen after that. So I, we know he's at least there a year and a half and probably a, a little bit more um, because all these things happen to him. So he spends a good amount of time. And Corinth is an important place. A lot of our good gospel um, chats later come to the Corinthians, which is mm-hmm. I, I, some really great things that I love in Corinthians. And I don't think it's a, 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 a I don't think that's a, a mistake or a, a, as a coincidence. These people listened to him, and he spent some time, and they they got some good, solid roots for the church in uh, in Corinth. Yeah, good, good, and and we we learn about uh, Priscilla and Aquila and so on. And I'm I'm really intrigued by like verse eighteen. It says, "Having shorn his head in," uh, and I don't even know how to say this, uh, Sencria, I think, for he had a vow. At, I'd like to know more about what his vow is, but I don't know what it is. I, yeah, that's the only time it mentioned. It just mentioned he had he took a vow. But it's kind of funny. He got a haircut. Yeah. So Paul gets a haircut. So he's like, he's going on a mission. You know, mission. You get a nice high and tight haircut. And get ready to. I don't yeah. know why he did this, but he took a vow. And yeah, and I don't yeah, know what that's... that vow is. I, I wish I knew. Oh, and before we gloss over this, um, or not gloss, but before we, we yeah, well, we're going to be glossing over things. So yeah, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> Paul in verse nine has a vision, and I think this is important to him. Because he's oh, been, yeah. yes. he's been he's been he's been uh, beat up and kicked out and and chased around and uh, he's kind of had it he, he's he's really not happy about this and uh, he gets into a fight uh, it, the chief ruler um, uh, Crispus at the, the chief uh, ruler at the synagogue and um, yeah well and, he believes right so yeah he, oh no he believes I'm sorry he he no he gets but it's the other people he gets in a fight with yeah and and uh, so he. He's making friends, but also at the same time, he's making a bunch of enemies, and he's kind of dispirited. And in verse 9, it says, The Lord is speaking to Paul by night, by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak. Uh, but speak. Hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set no man shall set thee to hurt, shall set on thee to hurt thee. So, uh, old English is not my first tongue, but anyway, um, for I have much <laughs> people in this city. So right up front, um, he runs into some some uh, some resistance. He makes a good friend, but the Lord says, "I got a lot of people in the city. Don't go anywhere. Speak boldly. I'll be with you. No one's going to hurt you. So, yeah. you know, don't worry." Hey, you almost get the feeling that after he's converted this chief ruler of the synagogue, and a whole bunch of people are believing that maybe he was getting ready to leave, and God says, yeah. "No, don't go. I've got a lot of the stuff for you to do here." Still, I mean, it it seems kind of funny. It seems like Paul's the last person you have to say, "Don't be afraid, but speak." Right? I mean, like, what we can't get Paul to shut up most of the time. So, <laughs> uh, uh, that that's the kind of a funny thing. But it gives you an idea, like you said, that that's as if we read between the lines, 
that things that are tough for Paul and he's maybe not doing what he had done in the past. He's just sitting there making tents and preaching a little. I don't know. But uh, he's going to stay there for a year and a half, as you said, because of this vision. So I'm really glad you pointed yeah. that out. Thank yeah, you. There's, a, there's some little in, insights that we get from here uh, here and there um, that this is maybe why he speaks boldly. Because he says, uh, don't be afraid. Speak your peace. You know, don't hold your peace. Or he says, uh, but speak, hold not that peace. So speak boldly. Go ahead and do it. And this is the kind of thing that, that leads. That's why I think we get a lot of Paul in that is because he has experiences like this. He gets a vision. So good. Yeah. All right. So uh, then you he, get a bunch of Jews there that get upset at him and they bring him before the judgment seat. And the judge says, I don't care about this stuff. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, right. why, why are you bugging me? Like, so they, they beat Jews. the ruler of the synagogue and he doesn't care about that either. Yeah. Well, the, the people then beat the Jews. Yeah. yeah. He's like, hey, you guys are Jews. Work it among yourselves. You know, yeah. you, you kids fight it out on the playground. I'm not going to I'm not going to play with you guys. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. And that's and exactly so that, what that, they do. They do fight it out on the playground, right? Yeah, they they beat this guy up. Oh, yeah, they take it out on him. Yeah, beat and, that guy uh, up, so that's not a good thing. And the ruler's like, okay, whatever, I don't care. You you yeah. do your Jewish thing, and I'm not going to get involved. Yeah. Um, so anyway, <laughs> he then, then care, he's... doesn't even care at all, something like that. How's this yeah. So he's going to start to head back into to Syria, which is where um, Antioch... So we've got several Antiochs, but Antioch of Syria is kind of hometown. And... Um, so he's heading back there, but uh, on his way now, uh, you're you're gonna see he, he sails from uh, Corinth. So Athens is on is kind of this uh, toe of Greece proper, and then you have to go across the way a little bit to to Corinth, um, and then he's going to sail back to the mainland, as it were, uh, a, 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 through all these islands, these Greek isles, um, and over to kind of the European part of, of Turkey, but uh, really it's, well, no, it's the Asian part of Turkey. Um, down south, he's going to land in Ephesus. Um, and he's only going to stay there a short time this time. He will later spend a long time there, but this time he's spending just a short time and uh, they want him to stay longer. But he says, I've got to go to the the feast in Jerusalem. That's that's I, he just feels like he has to do that. He's obviously missed a few if he's been gone. He's been gone a couple of years at this point, um, but he feels like he has to get back to Jerusalem. So um, that's what he's going to do. Um, and. Uh, uh, now I've lost my place. He sailed from Ephesus in verse 21 and uh, in verse 22, he lands in Caesarea uh, and gone up and saluted the church. So that means he goes up to Jerusalem and salutes the church. And then he went down to Antioch. So that's the end of the second journey right there. Um, and now we're going to go what is uh, probably his longest journey, but, but we're going to give it the least amount of time and uh, you get that in the scriptures as well. So that's all right. But this is where, um, he's, he's going to revisit a lot of the same places because again, I, I just have to impress upon us. I have already said it, but he's gotten new converts. There's not anywhere he's gone where like the oldest, any converts are anywhere by the time he leaves the city is like a year and a half. Right. So, right. uh, he's got to go back and strengthen them and make sure that the churches are doing all right. And, and so on. And there are other people like we're going to read, read of a guy named Apollos. Um, who is from Alexandria, a, which I love Alexandria. And he'd gone to Ephesus and he was teaching people, but he couldn't teach them everything. And so Paul's going to have to go back to Ephesus and spend a long time there teaching the people in Ephesus. So he's in Ephesus for years and years. 
Um, and he and he gets them to not only have the baptism of repentance, but receive the Holy Ghost. And he's going to uh, speak in in synagogues and and so on. Um, so, in fact, maybe uh, maybe let's just real quickly visit this third journey again, even though I already did that in one uh, in one podcast. Um, but from Jerusalem, he goes uh, uh, well back to Antioch, as we said. And then he's going to go again to, to Tarsus uh, and Derby. So he's retracing the same place, Derby, Iconium. So he's been to Derby and Iconium in all three of his mission journeys. But it's from there that he goes to Ephesus. And now Ephesus kind of becomes his home base. Because from Ephesus, he's going to go up again to Troas and then back to Neapolis and Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. So you can see he's just going and strengthening these same people. He skips Athens this time. Well, I, I guess he goes through Athens, but he doesn't really do uh, everything that um, that he did last time. He gets to, to Corinth and so on, and then he just backtracks and goes back. Instead of the circles like he's done before, he backtracks until he gets to Ephesus again. Uh, he goes to Miletus this time on the way uh, when he leaves Ephesus, but uh, and and uh, that's kind of his last time talking to the saints is in uh, any saints in that area is Miletus, but he'll spend a long time in Ephesus and then he'll head back to to Tyre and Caesarea and Jerusalem. So that's just a, a really quick recap of uh, of what he does on this third journey. Um, and of course, there are all sorts of great stories in there. Let's highlight at least two things. One of them is a fun story that uh, I'll let you highlight in chapter 20. Uh, oh, but in chapter yeah. 19, um, this is kind of an important thing uh, because he's having so much success in Ephesus and uh, and is there long enough. And we get stories like we're in verse 12 of chapter 19. Uh, well, let's start in verse uh, 10. And he continued by the space of two years so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and, and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. So he, they can just say, hey, can we use your handkerchief? We know some people who are sick over in this side of the city or over in this different city and they bring his uh, handkerchief and that's enough for people to have faith and they're uh, they're healed um, and so on. But, you don't see that very often in the church where they use something like that, but. I don't yeah. know. Maybe there's a, a expediency. I don't know why that's there. I don't, I don't either. I mean, and you get that story a couple times with Joseph Smith, but uh, it is not often. It will become a big thing in in Christianity after that, uh, oh, and yeah. it becomes problematic. But it it starts out well. Yeah, um, which is why you end up with all the all the churches that want to have uh, have a, a piece or a, a relic. The reliquaries are big in the in the yeah. cathedrals over there. So yeah, yeah, really, really big. So he's having a lot of success, and not just in Ephesus, but all over the place. And Ephesus, by the way, is just a magnificent city, an incredible magnificent city. Uh, and even today, the ruins are incredible and magnificent. But in his day, just wow, what a city. And um, he has a tremendous amount of success there, and, and he receive, experiences some opposition as well. Um, but, uh, but it gets worse. Um, so verse 17, uh, the, it's known to all the Jews and Greeks and, and Ephesus, what's been going on and the fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. 
And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So you see, he's getting like huge amounts of people to, to stop their idolatry uh, and to come to God. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. It's, it's incredible. But this is going to become a problem. So if we skip down to verse 24. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana and brought no small gain under the craftsmen. Right. So here's the problem. There are uh, Diana of Ephesus is really well known. This is a goddess that lots of people worship. And there are lots of people in Ephesus who specialize in making idols. Yeah, it's a, right. It's a big industry there. And all That's kinds of things are Diana. Yeah. So it's an industry. That's exactly right. And when you get people who are willing to burn 50,000 pieces of silver's worth of, of their f books that tell them how to do the, you know, the, the, the divination or the we, uh, peeping and muttering and all these things we've talked about, uh, this eats into their profits in a big way. So that in verse 25, he calls together the craftsmen in verse 24 uh, and 25. Uh, with the workmen of like occupation, he said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, you see in here that not alone at Ephesus, but all, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying they be no gods which are made with hands. So that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the, of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of Ephesus. So you, you get the idea. He's cutting into some pretty wealthy guys' profits, and they're having none of it. And so they're going to stir up everybody against Paul because they don't want people to quit buying their little idols. And... Uh, sure enough, um, they, they rush into the theater and that theater is still there. So you can, uh, you can go there and, and read this story and reenact it. I've been there with students where we start shouting greatest Diana of the Ephesians so that they can kind of picture this and the whole city is filled with confusion and having caught Gaius and, uh, Aristarchus men of Macedonia, Paul's companions and travel. They rush with one accord in the theater. And when Paul would have entered into the people, the disciples suffered him not. So they've taken two of his companions into the theater and they're going to do something terrible to them. And Paul goes in to save them. And the other disciples say, don't go in there. You, yeah. you can't go in there. This isn't going to work well. Um, and they send him desire that he would not adventure himself into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing and some another for the assembly was confused. And the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. They, they're all in a, uh, a dither, but not everyone knows why. They just know, yeah, we like kind of, uh, the Ephesians, but what? why are we going crazy? Yeah. Um, and uh, Alexander beckons with his hand uh, and uh, it would have made his defense into the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours, cried out, great is Diana of the Ephesians. So for two hours, they just chant. Sure, they you chant, can great is Diana, great is Diana. You know, they yeah. don't let them talk. They just shout over for two hours. That's a long time. Yeah, you can you can sense the mob mentality that is is has taken over when it's something like that. Right. They don't know what's wrong. Half of them. And we've already learned that. But they're caught up in the fervor of this mob mentality. Um, and so to, to make a, a long story short, that this is going to mean that they have to skip town. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he I, I love verse chapter 20, verse one. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. Right. So he, he's going to have to leave um, because 
uh, of all this uproar, but he loves these people. He's been with them for two years and, and he yeah, loves yeah. them. And so now he's going to go sailing around again. Uh, this is where we, we get him going to uh, remember Macedonia is where Philippi and Thessalonica and so on, Bria were. And he's going to go back to all of them and, and Troas and, and so on. And uh, you almost get the feeling that he recognizes this is a farewell tour. Um, and so he goes down and helps them. We get verse, verse. Uh, well, this is where we get the the fun story that you can tell us. Oh, yeah. Well, I, why the story's in here, I'm not really sure. But I think it's kind of a funny thing. And for those of who have been listening, we've, we've been going on. And I'm, I'm going to have a hard stop here pretty soon. Oh, yeah, so me too. For those, for those of us. For those of you who have been listening this long, we're like close to an hour and a half and you're like, you're about ready to fall asleep. And that happens to Paul. So there's a man, there's a young man. Uh, it's on the first day of the week. Disciples came together to break bread and Paul preached and then readily to depart on the morrow and continued to speech until midnight. So that's a long talk. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window, a certain young man being, uh, and he was in, so this young man, he falls asleep. He's been in a long time and he falls asleep and he's sitting in a windowsill. Yeah. yeah, probably like a lot of people listening to this podcast right now. Yeah, exactly so yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And they fall asleep and he's sitting in the windowsill and he falls out of a third story window. Yeah. <laughs> it hits the ground. Now that's terrible. That's that is terrible. terrible. And they, yeah, they we say it's a dead. funny story. It wouldn't be if it didn't have a good ending. Well, but it had a good ending. You're right though. But he thinks they think he's dead and like, oh, he's falling. Take him up as he's dead. And Paul went down and fell upon him and embraced him and said, "Trouble not yourselves, for there's life in him." So. He's restored. Either either he was just stunned or Paul heals him. We don't know exactly which way it is. So it ends well. But for those of you who are like, these guys are going on forever. I'm going to fall asleep. Well, it happened to Paul, too, so you're in good company. Um, He falls out of a third-story window. So for any of you who are bored, stay away from windows, maybe even tall chairs. Chairs, <laughs> or, or don't don't drive your car while you're listening yeah. to this. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Pull over the Operate heavy machinery. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. So there you go. That's a, it's a funny story, but anyway, but that but you're right. But he converts some more people, and we see some more um, some some good good experiences that Paul has, despite some little some funny things in there. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Well, I think we we better wrap it up, and in some ways we've just been doing the storyline that everyone could have read on their own. But sure. but I hope but I we've think... given some color to it, and I hope we can yeah. give a little meaning to it. So yeah, go ahead. Exactly right. I think that so what we see here is this missionary who's wrapping up a service, and he's going to go back to to uh, to to Jerusalem in the end. And he see this is like you said his farewell tour. He doesn't feel like he's going to be back out here again. He, he might know. So again, we're not a replacement for the scriptures, but we're trying to give a little bit of a color and a feel that these are real people. These these things did happen. They happened to to, uh, to good people. And um, what can you do today to spread this or apply this to you? What, what is it? I used to say, I've, I've said this many times in the podcast, but I used to say to my students all the time after you get done, I'm big on action items. What can you do today, tomorrow, this week, this month that will make a difference? What can you do? Can you meet your neighbor? Can you just meet a neighbor? Go to your neighbor and, and get to know them. Take them some cookies or whatever. Or, you know, what can you do? And that, I, I might have even said this the last time we were together, but I think this is, I get the missionary spirit from Paul, and I love how he goes out, and he's not afraid to talk, although we see some examples where he maybe is afraid or has fears. He gets thrown into prison. He has things happen to him, but he perseveres. He keeps through, and we should do the same thing. Go out and spread this gospel to others. Help other people to to know about Jesus Christ. Share that message. Introduce yourself first. Talk on their terms. Um, get to know what they believe in. Find common ground and bring the gospel to them. 
Amen. All right. Amen. Thank you. All right. Jerry, thanks a lot for spending the time and to, to cast some light on these things that you have a wealth of knowledge. I like to get together and talk about these things. I hope our listeners have had a good time and listen, a good time listening and uh, they can find something that's helpful to them. And if you have, please share it with a friend or a neighbor or a, someone in your ward. Um, maybe they can have, find some fun and some, uh, some connection here with the scriptures as well. And we'll, I guess if that's all, we'll just see you next time on the scriptures are real.